Hey everybody, Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage and Rocket Companies. Last year, we saw historically low mortgage interest rates. In fact, over 1 million homeowners took advantage of refinancing or buying a new home with Rocket Mortgage. What you may not know is that interest rates are already starting to increase again. And it's likely that trend is only going to continue. Our team of experts is standing by to help you save before rates go up. With an official mortgage review from Rocket Mortgage, you'll see just how much money you could save by making a move right now. Don't look back over these next few weeks and wish that you would take an action. You could save hundreds on your mortgage payments or pay off your home loan earlier than planned. You could even take cash out of your home to pay off high-interest debt, complete home repairs, or bulk up on an emergency fund. When you want to secure a low rate, Rocket can. Call 833-8-ROCKET or visit rocketmortgage.com. Rocket. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, for years, Brooke's been behind the scenes helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center, and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from a conservative perspective, unapologetically so, each and every time. I'm your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, still very proud, deplorable, and columnist, which you can read on my website at brooktalksamerica.com. Make sure you connect on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Email me if you have any questions, info at brooktalksamerica.com. If you'd like to partner with the show and be a sponsor, email me with that. And if you'd like to donate, there is a button on the site. You can listen to archive podcasts of this show on my website, brooktalksamerica.com, and also I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every first and third Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. on this station, Salem Media Group, or AM860, The Answer. And my podcast is available on iHeartRadio, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Podomatic, and a bunch of other ones I don't even know about. Also, I have an app which you can find in the Play Store. Go to the website and receive uh, sign up to receive email alerts. So let's get to the jelly. My guest today is Carol Roth. She's a billion-dollar deal-maker, self-proclaimed recovering investment baker, so we'll see what she means by that, entrepreneur and author of the new book, The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America, which is absolutely true. In The War on Small Business, Carol Roth uncovers how government bureaucrats have been looking for ways to destroy small businesses and consolidate power for decades and how with coronavirus, they finally had their chance. We couldn't agree more and we look forward to hearing what she has to say about that. So you can find her on Facebook and Twitter, though she is mostly active on Twitter. Her handle is at Carol J.S. Roth. And with that, welcome to the show. Carol, thanks for coming on. Brooke, thanks so much for happy, having me, and happy Freedom Weekend to you. Happy Freedom Weekend, indeed. Um, so, Carol, I'm on very active on Twitter, and, you know, I came across a post of yours where you mentioned that you had just written this book about how small businesses had uh, been crushed during the pandemic, which is what I've said and been complaining about since the beginning. You know, and all of this, you know, I won't get into this with you because this is that's what we discuss in the show, but all of it is predicated on lies based told by Fauci, um, you know, we discussed it at length on the show. The serious part of this 
response, though, was political because red state governors and mayors handled things very differently, uh, as they did also, interestingly, with the response to the nursing home. I believe it's parallel. Uh, you know, we'll get into it on the business, on the political, uh, the business front. I'm sorry. You mentioned that although you'd been doing this press for years, no one wanted to touch this book. That's why I actually reached out to you because I found it shocking. People aren't really talking about what has happened to small businesses enough, in my opinion. And before we get into this, I do want to remind everybody to support. Obviously, this is the reason for the show. Support local small businesses. Hashtag shop small. Hashtag small business Saturday. So over this Independence Weekend, remember that. But as I mentioned, even the financial and business pundits you have worked with for years didn't want to have you on. Why do you think that is? Yeah, so um, it's it's pretty staggering. Uh, you know, this, I'm with a, a major publisher, Harper Collins, and yeah. uh, as you mentioned, I am I've been in the media, uh, you know, media adjacent as a pundit for 12 years. So I'm a fairly well known quantity. There are many people whose shows I've been on across all different kinds of networks. I'm still on, and uh, you know, to be fair, there are people who did support this, um, you know, who have been fabulous. But the the, the crazy thing was that prime time television morning shows. I mean, I got absolutely zero of those zero uh, reviews from the major print publications, the corporate press, uh, a lot of the op eds turned down. So for something that's a very high profile book and is really the first one to come out with the economic story and certainly with the focus on small business, it unintentionally proved the, one of the theses of the book, which mm-hmm. is that despite the fact that everybody says, Oh, small businesses are so important and they are, they're, they're half the economy. Um, when it comes time to step up and actually advocate for them, the people who have the power will not do that. And that's why I've, I've taken the route uh, that was similar to the small businesses in the book and gone decentralized, talked to creators like yourself um, who are, are willing to tell these stories and, and what is really the most important and underreported story of, of the last 15 months. Well, and it's not coincident or uncoincidental that a lot of the media outlets are funded by China and they're funded by big business and they're funded by big pharma. That's one of the things that has come out in the last couple of weeks, particularly with the vaccine. They don't want you, you know, and big tech uh, is censoring people. Big tech, big tech is funded and sponsored by big pharma. So the media doesn't really want to talk about small business if they're funded by big business, right? Which is a major conflict of interest. And they're also funded by the Chinese Communist Party. A lot of the failing media outlets are funded by them. So the Chinese Communist Party doesn't want our small businesses to succeed. They want multinational corporations that have all their business in China to succeed, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, um, you know, I don't know about the specific ties, you know, between funding, but I think in terms of China, the China thesis, I have an entire chapter, chapter 12, one of my favorites in the book, um, which is about our relationship with China. And I do think you hit on something there that, you know, central planners 
thought that they were so smart and they were going to open up uh, trade with China and they <laughs> yeah. walked tra- China you know, straight into the World Trade Organization. Um, you know, and we got to import some deflation in terms of cheap products, but it killed small businesses, innovation, manufacturing jobs, suppressed wages and the like because they wanted to partner uh, with an entity that doesn't believe in free markets or property rights or, you know, general individual rights, including human rights. Um, and so we've seen them as replicators crushing small businesses online. If you go on you know, Ali, Alibaba and you know, their sort of um, associated websites, you will see that many of those vendors have knocked off small business owners that we have a story in the book yeah. where they've actually taken the picture of her daughter and, and you know, knocked off her product or using the picture of her daughter to model it, you know, at a fraction of the price. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, kind of the, the backstory of, you know, the, this years and years, whether it's that relationship with China, whether it's taxes, whether it's regulatory capture, whatnot, all these things that have tilted the playing field in favor of big companies against small business. Um, and then that set the stage for 2020 to be the ultimate you know, screwing over of small business when they decided who was essential and who was not essential. And and as you alluded to, that was not based on data or science. That was based on political clout and connections. Yeah. And you think about it. I mean, you th- the businesses that were I've I've been saying this from the beginning and it's people weren't talking about this in the media. The businesses that were closed were small businesses. The only businesses that were open were the ones that were selling goods from China. So like, and, and then you had Amazon, right? So Amazon replaces millions of small businesses already. And the only thing that people can do is to buy from Amazon. Why? Because they're stuck at home. I happen to live in Florida. So we have a great governor and he, you know, I didn't agree with any of the shutdowns myself, but even the, he's been very, very good for this state on that front, you know, but the only things you could buy are made from China. So they give us the pandemic. This is what I call it. And then the only things you can buy are made in China. I mean, it's really a good system, but none of the politicians said anything about that. And one of the reasons is because, in my opinion, a lot of the politicians are also comfortable with the model. We'll get into the Chinese model and, you know, in a, in a little bit, but they're, they're not pushing back against this. And in my opinion, you know, the left, all of this coincides with what the left wants, which is bigger government. The right talks about less government, lower taxes and everything. The left wants bigger government. They want totalitarian control. The bigger government, the better for them. But they're also in bed with the multinational corporations. So they don't have the small business because individual entrepreneurism is antithetical to what the leftists want. Yeah, I mean, I, so I'll jump in on that because I think that, you know, that last piece is really the, the thesis, um, which is if you look at the economy as it stands, and a lot of people don't really understand the breakdown of the numbers, but the, the economy is almost divided in two. So you have half of the economy that is decentralized, and before COVID, that was about 30.2 million small business entities, um, very, very free market oriented, uh, a power that was dispersed between them and again about half the GDP and about half the jobs. The other half of the economy is in the hands of around 10 to maybe up to 15,000 big businesses, depending on how you count them. Um, and they have the other half. 
And so what we saw based on the mandates and then also based on the actions of the Federal Reserve was more uh, revenue as well as more value being shifted from one half of the economy Mm -hmm. to the other. And one of the things that I explore in the book and whether you think this is intentional or just, uh, you know, just an unfortunate outcome, I tend to think it's the former, is that if you are somebody who's in government and you want that big government and you want power as a politician, it's much easier to deal with that handful of big companies uh, who also have money to make the contributions and and whatnot than it is to try to wrangle up (laughs) tens of millions of small businesses. So, you know, that gives you the reason why the small businesses are either too small to matter or too hard to control. I don't, I don't need to convince you either way to take whichever one you want, right. but the outcome is still the same. Yeah. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Carol Roth, and we will be back after the break. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. Visit Brooke Talks America on Facebook. And now, your host, Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Carol Roth. Do you need a tax preparer, have rental properties, need worksheets to help gather your information? If so, contact Deb Snyder at 727-424-4499 or email her at debsnydertax at gmail.com. You can find her on the IRS directory of federal tax return preparers. Deb stays up to date by successfully completing the annual federal tax refresher courses that cover filing season issues and tax law updates. And as always, remember to tell her Brooks sent you. So Carol, uh, you know, in your book, you said that the black swan event of 2020 was not the pandemic. It was the federal government. It was the government reaction to the pandemic and that the number one small risk to small businesses today is the government. Steve Bannon, uh, who has a lot of the ape army on his show, says that it's one of the reasons. And this is macro generally is that our overseers don't want people to be financially literate. Do you agree with that? hundred um, percent. If you look at everything that has been happening, um, and this is my eyes have really be, become open to this as, as I've researched this. They're doing everything they can to make wealth creation more difficult in this country. So, you know, my background, um, as we talked about, is in finance. I am a quote unquote recovering investment banker. Um, I'm also a free marketeer, so I have an abundance mentality and, and I'm all about the pie growing and people getting wealthier. But the way that people get wealthy um, in any country is through ownership of equity. Yeah. Um, and so that means whether it's you know, ownership in a, in a house or land, ownership in the stock market of stocks, ownership of their own business that grows in value, you know, so on and so forth. And if you look at all of those things, they've made that more difficult to do. They, they shut down small businesses by mandate without giving them just compensation under the, the concept of eminent domain. Yeah. Um, so now it's more difficult and risky and scary for you to own a business. And in some cases, they've taken it away from you. So that wealth creation opportunity has been a challenge. They've pumped all kinds of money um, into the stock market and disrupted risk there so that the people who are buying in now are buying in at, you know, inflated values and you know, potentially when there is a, a 
a, a bubble pop, um, you know, are, are at cer- certainly at risk and are taking on more risk to get the same kind of yield that they would have before. And if you're, by the way, a retire or saver, you know, you can't just stick your money in the bank yeah. and earn a return anymore. So they've disrupted that. Uh, they've disrupted home ownership. So it's more difficult to get a house. And oh, by the way, now you've got big entities who are using this, this basically free money from the uh, Federal Reserve's interference in the markets um, to go out and compete with you <laughs> to buy those homes. Yeah. So all of these things add up to it being more difficult for the average American to participate in the wealth creation of this country. And, you know, we saw last year $3.4 trillion in value was created for seven tech companies. It's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they're talking about breaking up big tech. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, not sure. That. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure it's going to happen. And, you know, it's funny because on a, on a, you know, this is kind of a political note, but like I've been screaming about 230 in big tech and it's like the Republicans are out there tweeting. Ted Cruz, I hammer him. He's out there tweeting about Britney and he's complaining about how big tech is censoring people on big tech. And I'm like, isn't it your job to actually do something about that? But the Republic, both parties, and that's so much has been revealed both in the pandemic and then over, you know, over the course of President Trump's candidacy and then presidency. Both parties, the whole system, the whole bureaucracy, it's all rotten. And, and neither party really seems to have, as an ent, as entities really seem to have their constituents, uh, best interests at heart. You cannot be on Twitter complaining about big tech when you had the, the House, the Senate, and the presidency and didn't do anything about it. But that's what they do. And they expect that that, they expect that that's going to pacify us. But I don't want to get into the politics too much. Well, I, I do want, yes. I just want to say one okay. thing about that because I, I think this is important and I do lay this out in the book is that it, you, you've hit on something that there, this is a systemic issue. Yeah. And it goes back to the size and scope of the government and the purview and the amount that they have to spend, the things that they are involved with and in charge of, the amount of laws and rules they've put in place. This is fundamentally broken, and and mm-hmm. so you know, there there needs to be like like full scale changes. This isn't just like one person going in and, and writing a law. This is like a complete overhaul of the system. Well, and that's one of the things I think is the they the left wants it in another way. I, we're going to get into this. This might not be evident to everyone, okay? But the push, the open push towards socialism started the open push. People like myself called Obama a Marxist, but the open push began during Bernie's candidacy toward socialism. And this has been accelerated by the so-called squad. It is part of what's going on with the government response to coronavirus, not just here, but around the world. Part of the Great Reset World Economic Forum, one of which is the UBI, which you mentioned uh, in your book, the universal basic income, which, in fact, could be technically called the Chinese model. You make that claim in your book. Why? Yeah, so basically universal basic income is the government promising to pay you something for existing every month, uh, which is a hilarious thing to claim since they have no money. So yeah. basically you're giving your dollar to the government so they can give you 75 cents back and somehow people think this is a, a great, great thing. But universal basic income has been pushed, um, certainly more by progressives. We saw Andrew Yang also that was kind of his um, key uh, 
thing that he ran on for both president and, and mayor of New York, which, by the way, didn't win either time, um, because I think some people are, are seeing through that. But if you think about what happened in terms of the way they structured the quote unquote relief during the, the pandemic, instead of giving it to those businesses that they shut down by mandate um, under the concept of eminent domain and making sure that people were paid to stay at work, even if it was sitting at home, but like you're getting paid because you are working for X company and we're going to make sure that Isn't X that company what the is- PPP was for. Well, let me get there. Yes. <laughs> so, so they, so they basically could have paid these, these people to stay home and, and made sure that, that, um, uh, these companies still existed. They decided to do all different things. PPP was part of um, the CARES Act and PPP, people have to understand, was a fraction of not only the overall dollars of CARES and of subsequent um, relief programs, but it was also certainly not enough to compensate for what they did in terms of these mandates. You know, if you think back to too big to fail banks and the bailouts yeah. they've got or the airlines, oh, this was nowhere in the neighborhood given the number of businesses that were affected and the scope of businesses that were affected. So instead, they sent out direct stimulus checks to people. You know, mm-hmm. they had um, extended unemployment benefits. So not just what you and your employer paid in, depending on the state, um, you know, for you to access if you didn't have a job, you know, which you have a right to, but they gave you a bonus for staying out of the workforce. So they're basically conditioning people, yeah. hey, you know, the government's going to take care of you. We're going to send you money. Again, your money, but they never say it that way. We're going to send you money. We're going to take care of you. And that's the thesis they're trying to get people to buy into with UBI. They're trying to get people to, to suspend reality and to go, oh, well, I'm getting a check. Well, again, it's it's your money and you're getting back a fraction of, of what it's costing you. So why, why would you do that? Um, but but that's the conditioning that they're trying to do to get more people on the government dole to make the government bigger and more mm-hmm. powerful, which is which is really scary. And to also make it more difficult, you know, for the smaller businesses to compete because if you think about some of these um, initiatives, you know, it's a de facto minimum wage increase when the government is now competing with you. So again, all of these things consolidate power in the hands of the politicians with their big businesses and their special interests. And that is the unholy trinity right there that threatens the decentralization and the economic freedom opportunities for most of the country. Well, and also, the individual citizen has not punished China. I really thought that people would be so outraged and angry that they would actually punish China by stopping, by not buying Chinese products. Remember the freedom fries, the French fry issue? <laughs> so they didn't do that at all. As a matter of fact, I mean, Amazon is bigger than ever. They got, you know, doubled, I think, or almost there. So the individual, you know, they, people watch, they get outraged about something, but they don't stop buying Nike. They don't stop buying Netflix. They don't. St- I don't buy Coke. That's just one instance. We have to punish these corporations that hate us. We have to punish the country of China by buying American. But pr- one of the things that you mentioned, another point that uh, is so important, because I don't think the right is very good or effective at messaging that it's 
in your book, you talk about it's big business and big government, which are the problems, not capitalizing. With the push to socialism, with the wealth gap growing, which, by the way, decreased, increased vastly under Obama, the lower portions of the economy grew under Obama, un, under Trump. So the, the, the wealthier grew less and the, the poorer people grew more in their, in their wealth. It's reversed now, obviously, with the pandemic and it's bigger than ever. How do it, but, the capitalism itself is now going to be under, it's been under fire. Now it's going to be even more under fire. The ape army is part of that, you know, exposing that with the stock market. How can we message better on the benefits of capitalism? Because you have, you know, before you used to have people like Paul Ryan, who I don't like now, but obviously, but <laughs> who's very wonky. You know, the right tends to, the left operates on emotional messages directly to the heart. The right goes out there and does these wonky messages that nobody understands and it doesn't translate emotionally. How can we better message about the benefits of capitalism? Yeah, I think that there are a couple things um, that are important here. One is when anything happens to be cronyism, we have to continue yes. to point out that this is cronyism and this is coming from government privilege and choice, not from free market capitalism. And stop using the phrase, everyone out there who does this, crony capitalism, because there is no such thing. It's cronyism. There okay. is no crony in capitalism. So they, that, that's Good part point. of the messaging that they've you know, shifted over to try to, to make it sound bad. I think we also have to be clear that private sector doesn't equal free market capitalism and start talking more about um, the concept of capitalism in terms of, of freedom, choice and transparency and opportunity, because that's really what people understand is the right. benefits of capitalism. But the word, you know, because of Marx and because of, you know, all of these progressives who um, have you know, seized on sort of the, the Marxist ideology are now trying to twist that around and say, oh, well, you're capitalizing and on people. You must be exploiting them. Right. Like, no, that's not really what it means. Um, so I think it's important to, to call out freedom, free choice, transparency, your rights, your choice, those kinds, and use those phrases instead of force, coercion, control, a couple people making the decisions with their cronies in big business. And I think if, if we start talking about it, um, in those kinds of terms conceptually, because at, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what we call these things. We could call them, you know, like Fred Nuttall or whatever, but it's the underlying principles right. that we care about. So that's why everyone's like, you know, they want to argue. And, and that's why I've used the phrase central planning, because I don't want to get into, a, well, what's socialism? What's democratic socialism? What's communist? Like it does, it doesn't really matter. You, if you have a handful of people who are making the choices and they're, forcing you or coercing you or controlling you, that's a bad outcome. So we want to minimize that and we want to have more free choice, more opportunity, more transparency with the government still having a role of that protection of the individual rights and property rights and doing nothing more than that. And I think if we're in that scenario and we can start talking about those things and then also examples, you know, one of the things that I pointed out to people um, in the book was the example around Dodd-Frank coming out of the, the Great Recession which was legislation that was meant to rein in these big banks that had done risky things and affected the entire economy and mm -hmm. we all paid the price for that. And it killed 
startups. It killed small community banks. It killed you know, small banks that were in existence. It killed small business lending. And then big business lending exploded, as did the, the profits of the big companies. So it was meant to rein in the big companies. It gave them free reign. We, we need to keep repeating these things because good intentions don't lead to good outcomes. And there are too many average Americans mm-hmm. who want to lead by good good intentions, and that has gotten us into a lot of trouble. Well, not only that, but the left owns the media, so even if it's not good intentions, it's good marketing. <laughs> right, it's the very you well know, said. <laughs> yeah, like Elizabeth Warren acts like she's the protector of small businesses, with you know, but she's not, and the rest of them aren't either, because Dodd-Frank is marketed as protecting people from the big banks. They haven't broken up banks, none of the banks, and by the way, just as an aside, Holder never prosecuted a single banker from the housing crisis. So their seriousness about that is absolutely a joke. Carol, I want to um, make sure every, make sure everybody follows Carol on Twitter. Check out her book, The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. And make sure you vote with your dollars as much as possible to support small and local businesses. When you're going out to a restaurant, make it small, local business. We must take back our economy from the Chinese Party, Communist Party. Thank you so much for coming on. Make sure you check out her book. And I hope that we can talk again and maybe have some discussions on issues like Dog Frank. Maybe we can do a podcast because a lot of these issues, a lot of these um, topics, a lot of people don't know about. They are financially illiterate. They don't know how the law that is claimed to be good for them is actually bad for them. I want to get into the Federal Reserve. We don't have time for it today, but hopefully you can come back. We can do a podcast on that and break, uh, you know, expand on these issues more. Well, I appreciate it, and thanks for giving the platform to small business advocacy, and everybody should remember this Freedom Weekend, that economic freedom is freedom, so please support that for the small businesses of this country. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. Happy Independence Weekend, and enjoy your day. Once again, we in the United States of America recognize and celebrate Independence Day. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, the Founding Fathers and many others wanted to establish what would be a new type of nation where men would be free from the constant threat of tyranny and abuses and decrees. The men of 1776 also established the recognition of our inalienable rights and a society that recognized the blessing of seeking providential guidance. They understood that the vision of greatness they envisioned for this republic would only become reality and remain so if, and I mean if, we the people sought to be good and teach those worthy principles to each succeeding generation. Today there are many who appreciate and will celebrate this land of liberty. On the other hand, because of endless indoctrination of students, unforgiveness of past sins, there are now legions amongst us who would rather see us enslaved under communism. To that I say, no way, Jose. And those of us who appreciate this republic, let us reestablish our one nation under God with liberty and justice, this time for all. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect on Twitter at Brooke Talks USA. Here's Brooke Says. 
back to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. Another excellent Edwards notebook by Ron Edwards. Before we begin this segment, I want to thank Max, Russ, Brian, and Whiskey for your generous donation to help with the show. I really appreciate it. As we talked with Carol, a lot of things, a lot of issues with the pandemic, with big business, big government. But what's really at root is that they want lords and serfs. And I've talked about it before a lot on this show. Okay, big business Big multinationals don't consider themselves so much American corporations as global corporations, hence globalists. Here's an incredible audio clip from Dave Ramaswamy on War Room Pandemic about the issue of China, what Charlie Munger, who is besties with uh, Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett, talked about the China model. This is what they really want. Don't doubt me, as uh, Rush said. What's your observations? You know the financial system in China. Uh, talk to us about Charlie Munger sitting there saying, hey, uh, we admire it and we need it here. What do you think, Dave Ramaswamy? See, I wanted to give the Chinese Communist Party a chance, but unfortunately there are too many red flags. See, what Charlie is saying, it's like the oligarchic party line. They are ideological brethren with the Chinese Communist Party because they want financial totalitarianism where billionaires and oligarchs can borrow at zero to no or to little cost from the fed discount window and use that borrowings to finance the purchase of real assets thereby not only disenfranchising large numbers of americans but also disempowering them from a shot of the american dream i mean they, as you mentioned steve they want to convert America into a nationhood of serfs where nobody owns anything. They're going to eat bug flower food, live in a pod which is rented and be happy. That's what the oligarchs in the U.S. and the West want for us. And they're ideologically, it's a match made in heaven with the Chinese Communist Party who want the same thing and who have done the same thing in China for the last seven decades. Dave, give us an action plan that you think can get us out of here. What, what would you recommend to this audience who's action-oriented? What are the two or three steps they can take right now in their personal lives or to be force multipliers to get people to wake up to this? What would you recommend? we got about two minutes. What would you recommend people do? I would say, number one, I say hashtag read the label, hashtag check the tag, which is before you buy anything, either online and in a store, just turn over the product and see where it's from and, and buy products. I mean, I let me coin, I've, I've just coined a phrase on the fly. Be American, buy American. Be British, buy British. Be Indian, buy Indian. So the working class people in, in Europe, in America and India need to support their own business owners, their own family businesses who have skin in the game who don't have affinity and collaboration with the Chinese communists. You know, and Thomas Friedman, I don't have time to play this clip, but he envied the China model. You should listen to that. A lot of them do. That's what they want. They want you to work. They want the minions to to provide their well-being by making the widgets, but you're not going to have any say. They're really not for this whole freedom and liberty thing, trust me. On a separate note, and this is another issue of totalitarianism, remember, None of the bad, all of the Democrats who shut down cities and states, they didn't follow their own edicts. They never do because hypocrites and dictators never do. What they want to, uh, Tucker's been talking about this and Obama started it about going after the suburbs. They don't like the fact that there's anybody that's not of their control. One of the reasons is that people in the suburbs, other than the Karens, tend to vote Republican. 
So what better way? You own the cities, right? Even though you destroy them, even though everybody's dying all over the place, you still own them. So you're not going to lose that vote. You want to get the other vote. So you put the people from the cities, wreck them, move them out in the suburbs, and then take them over with some zoning. So here's what he's talking about there. In early 2009, more than 12 years ago, the Obama administration made a surprising, probably unprecedented accusation against Westchester County, New York, a pretty liberal place. According to the Obama administration, Westchester was an instrument of white supremacy, not the good liberals who live in Westchester, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, many others. No one accused them of being bigots. The problem was the buildings they lived in. All those single-family homes, row upon leafy row, set back from the street, well-tended lawns, mailboxes. Those were all examples of racism, literally structural racism. And the only solution the Obama people announced was much greater density, more subsidized housing complexes in Westchester, more high-rise apartment buildings, maybe some drug-addicted vagrants living on the sidewalk begging for change. Only if Westchester County became more like the Bronx could it become non-racist. Well, this was all something of a surprise to the people who live in Westchester, again, most of whom are dutiful liberals. They didn't realize they had a white supremacy problem. Between 2000 and 2010, for example, according to the census numbers, Westchester's black and Hispanic population had risen by more than 50%. So how could the county be racist? It didn't seem to make any sense. In court, the Obama administration explained their reasoning. The goal isn't to eliminate racism. The goal is to eliminate suburbs. So rather than improve the lives of people who live in crappy places, the idea is to destroy the lives of people who live in nice places. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to eliminate the suburbs? Well, there's a very clear political reason. Suburbs are typically purple politically. Republicans can win just as Democrats can. But if your goal is to make the country a one-party state, you'd want to change this. You want to make suburbs into cities. And if you did that, you'd win every time. Democrats win cities. Of the 10 biggest cities in the United States, Democrats run nine of them. Of the 50 biggest, they control two-thirds. That doesn't mean they're good at running cities. They're not. Many of our cities are on the verge of collapse. People are running away from them. But making cities better is hardly the point. Winning elections is the point. Democrats are happy to admit this. You guys better really understand what's at stake here. We've talked about it all the time on this show. They want full control. We talked about it with Carol. They want full control over your lives, and they want really full control over your pocketbook. They haven't done that yet, but they would and they will. So one of the ways that you can stop that is absolutely to vote MAGA, America First, New Right candidates. We have to clean the swamp. Trump was one person. He couldn't do it all. We have to do it. We have to get involved locally in our elections with school boards. Clean the whole entire thing from the root to the tip. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and we'll be right back after the break to talk with Colonel Jim. More Brook Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect on Twitter at Brooke Talks USA. Here's Brooke Says. 
Welcome back to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim, and he is the former Deputy Director for Intelligence at U.S. Central Command, served on the White House National Security Council, currently is the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP Chairman, and as we always like to say, he's the first retired military officer in Florida to endorse Trump, which we're going to do for 2024, aren't we, Jim? Absolutely. So he can win a third time. Well, he's still president. I know. I know. But I'm just saying. So this segment is brought to you by Barely Pod Furnishings in Crystal River. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 3. They're a 3,000-square-foot store with unique home decor for making your house a home, including a large selection of original American art. Obviously great for this weekend. Glassware and pottery and great for every weekend, by the way. Save 20% off using code BTA20. And remember to tell her Brooke sent you. And be sure to check out Patrick Hyland at the Sports Zone Sundays at 11 a.m. on this station. So, Jim, you know, as we celebrate our Independence Day here in America, and I actually, I like to call it that, you know, I used to call it Fourth of July, obviously, and it is on the Fourth of July. But I, I'm getting more particular every day with the, you know, with the way the left tears everything down. It is the Independence Day, so I think we should say. But it is signified by a declaration of independence for freedom from the tyranny of the British monarchy over the colonists. That, uh, the colonists, that's what it was. Ironically, though, the Chinese communists, at the same time we're celebrating our 245th, the Chinese Communist Party celebrated its centennial yesterday. So after the Chinese came to America and, ap- and absolutely humiliated Blinken and by proxy the Biden junta, Z is feeling bolder than ever. I wrote an article about this. Everybody should read it. But also we have some flexing in the South China Sea. So what did Z say? Uh, what's going on in the region? And what, if anything, do you think the United States military will do about it? Because Biden doesn't know where he is and Kamala doesn't know where she is. Well, you you hit the nail right on the head because Z used this opportunity to show how emboldened he is. And, you know, we saw him in all the fanfare out there, and the celebration lasted a couple days. But the key thing was he came out wearing a tunic or a smock, whatever you want to call it, the same that um, Mao Zedong wore, you know, back when he was the premier and president of China. And Xi used this to basically explain to the world mm-hmm. that, China is moving in a more hardline Marxist direction. And he talked about. Which is kind of funny. How can they go more hardline? But they are. Go ahead. Well, (laughs) you know, they were hardline under, under Mao and, and, and the following, uh, presidents. But then, you know, we had, uh, Nixon, just a little, just a second of history here, who tried to reach out and work with China to, in hope that that would moderate them and make them. Not more democratic rather than more communist. And the Chinese really took advantage of that and through the 80s and 90s used that opportunity to build up their economic power and their wealth. They made it look like uh, they were moving in that direction. They encouraged uh, the U.S. and, of course, the globalists jumped on that bandwagon and gave mm-hmm. them everything they wanted. So now Z has come out and said, okay, that experiment that we did – the reform of communism that they adopted in the 80s is now shifting to a more hardline Marxist policies. And, you know, Marxism is still the, the you know, the fundamental ideology of communist China. 
And now Z is taking advantage of that. And here's the key thing that he said. Um, he, and he was pretty angry when he said it. And he declared, we will bloody your head against a steel wall if you try anything against us. That, that's a threat that basically said, you know, anything we try to do to counter, uh, what China's doing, which is exactly what Donald Trump was doing and yes. doing very successfully. He was bringing corporations back to America, mm-hmm. which China desperately needed because China has a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of jobs they've got to fill and they couldn't afford that. And that angered Z. This is extortion and blackmail, basically telling Biden, don't try anything. Now, we know Biden knows everything China has on him and Hunter, as well as other you know, senior officials in, in Biden's regime. So they're not going to do anything. And of course, well, and big- uh, honestly, you know, both parties are in on it. So probably a lot of Republicans too. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, but the question, so the question, and I don't want to spend really so much time on this because we have other things to discuss too, but like the question then becomes, because they're looking at Taiwan. So we, they're flexing in the chi- South China Sea. They're looking at Taiwan. We don't have enough chip manufacturing here. They don't have enough chip manufacturing there. So obviously, and they consider, you know, they took Hong Kong. Obviously, it was an agreement. It was a legal agreement. It ended, and they they took Hong Kong fine. You know, it's very, you know, depressing and devastating. But they're looking for Taiwan. Now, if they go after Taiwan, and we will not, I don't want to get into it too much here because we'll definitely discuss it further, but that's a kinetic warfare. We're going to have to fight for Taiwan because that is what Bannon says is the Silicon Valley of the East. Those chips, we need the chips. And there are a lot of things that we can't even have uh, produced, mass produced. Like I know a couple of people who sell and deal in cars, they can't do it because they don't have the chips. So that's an issue. But it's, it's whether or not, you know, the, the military is going to actually go after, go and do anything about it. Because as you said, there, he's also compromised, not just, you know, because he's got dementia, but because his son has all that creepy stuff on the video, on the, uh, the, uh, laptop from hell. So we'll have to watch that, but it's very disturbing, you know, and we have to think about that in Independence Day that they're, they're on the march while, while our people are trying to, uh, you know, hurt this country. So we've talked about the absolute atrocities that are the woke snowflakes, you know, we've laughed about that. Some really great memes out there about Austin and Millie and their, you know, defense of CRT and everything like that. Here's the thing. Not much has actually been made about the fact that our service members and others around the, from around the world were likely infected when they went to the 2019 military world games in Wuhan, China. And how that is, first of all, that was like a potentially a super spreader and they knew about it. Right. But that was like an act of war for one. But also we have another issue with service members because they have been vaccinated and they haven't made it completely mandatory, which I, you know, hopefully they won't. But what's going on with the vaccinations uh, and the effects on our service members? That's well, now, serious. Now, now our military doctors who, you know, monitor the health and wellness of our military members are starting to see military members with the effects that we've been hearing about from civilians, heart conditions yep. and enlargement of the heart. And you have to remember you know, I know we talk about, well, the military is fat and everything. Well, that's recruits and they don't necessarily get in. Once you're in the military and you're, and you're in the, the training programs, you're, you're monitored for health. And if you have any conditions that, you know, would be hindrance, be a hinder to you and the service, you know, you're, you're eventually going to be medically retired out of the military. So now we have, you know, relatively healthy pe- people in the military, service members in the military who are being 
endangered by this vaccine because j- just uh, in one report I saw the other day, they had about 15 members that, you know, was put out publicly who were in, had enlarged hearts and it was a result of from everything they could see was the vaccine. Yeah. So just like what's happening in the civilian population with young men. And and these are, you know, most of our recruits coming in are young men, 18, their mid twenties, maybe early thirties in some cases, but these are the ones being infected. And also remember even, even more senior members of the military into their forties and fifties, they're monitored health wise too. They can't have any, um, you know, pre preconditions or comorbidity, because, you know, if you have those, you're going to be medically retired out of the military. So this is this isn't coming from the virus. This is coming from the vaccine. And, right. uh, you know, someone needs to step up. Congress needs to the conservatives in Congress need to be banging on the podium next week about this because this is real serious. So please, you know, be on the lookout for that and make sure that they're taking care of our military on the political front. Uh, and really, this is in your wheelhouse because it's more so the intelligence community front, though it's being used politically, of course. As you've seen this week, Tucker Carlson said that a whistleblower came out and said that the NSA had been spying on him. You know, they they, they get him a very tepid response, which was really pathetic, but it all but confirmed that they were, in fact, spying on him. But they gave some, you know, excuse. Keep in mind, this is what Snowden said was happening, and the left loved him. And, of course, Clapper lied about it, right? I think Brennan lied. You can talk more about that. But um, because they have the Trump derangement syndrome, now the left loves the NSA. They love the, the FBI and the CIA, all of them. What is going on with the CIA, uh, the NSA? And here's what I want to know. Is there any anything that the average citizen could do to stop potentially being spied on? <laughs> That's <laughs> Uh, probably Probably not other other than to to hunker down in their homes get rid of their cell phone laptops computers everything and and don't have don't make a footprint out there um and therefore you're 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 basically doing what they want you to do you're not out there being a voice for for freedom and that's the biggest thing now because we have very little time to i want to get into this very quickly but now because they can't stop with witch hunts either against president trump or his supporters the evilest woman on the planet pelosi has commissioned a january 6th committee not surprising fellow spawn of satan liz cheney right is all in what do you think about bannon's desire to actually have it you know it would be good if everyone on the republican side was either not a moron which is highly unlikely, or fearlessly pro-Trump, also highly unlikely. Let Americans see the nonsense that people like Pelosi are doing. If you know, if you shut it down, they're still there to do something else. And I and I believe you, you know, let them let them show who they are, let them reveal who they are. It's going to be a joke, just yeah. like everything else. We let them play out, you know. Um, the hearings during the Trump and we let them play out the impeachment. impeachment. Yep. That's right. They and always get over their skis and they the always go too they far. Were. Yeah. Well, be sure to, uh, you know, we have to close out now. We have, I, we need three more hours, Jim. Somehow we got to get three more hours. I don't know how that's going to happen, but we got to do it. Be sure to download the podcast of this show and share with your fellow patriots. And as we get, you know, as we close this show on this Independence Day weekend, may we remember the incredible sacrifices always always made by brave patriots, including many who were not even free at the time, right? The slaves and the culprit group, very, very dangerous for them to do it, but they did it. Um, 
you know, wouldn't be they wouldn't even be free for almost a century. Pause to remember and thank all. The left has shown that they will not stop until they destroy this country. They will not stop. And as I discussed earlier with Carol Roth and we heard from people like Dave Ramaswamy, we're in a dangerous position both from within and without. And China plays a long game. Okay, let us resolve to restore and renew our nation and defeat the totalitarian, the tyranny of totalitarianism and pledge our lives, our fortunes and our sacred honor again and always for the cause of liberty for all. Happy Independence Day, Jim. Happy Independence Day, everybody, and we will see you next week. Let freedom been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. Connect on Twitter at Brooke Talks USA. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860. The Answer. <laughs> 